time. It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Pause up, pet pals. Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. For today's show, I have two words that describe a new cool trend. Adventure cats. And the second half of the show, we're going to go to the dogs with Teodi Anderson, also a very accomplished dog trainer and author. First up, does your indoor cat have a case of the blahs? Sure, you can create a safe enclosure, catio, uh, that will allow your kitty to safely check out the great outdoors. But some cats want and deserve more. Our first guest is answering their pleads. Please give pause and applause to the founder of Kitty Cat Go, the trend-setting Emily Hall. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Emily. Hey, Arden. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you know, I never thought I'm going to say this next sentence. You ready for it, Emily? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Take a hike, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should get t-shirts. Take a hike, kitty. That is a good one. I love that. There you go. So some people have seen that commercial with this brown striped tabby named Walter. I think mm. it was a truck commercial during the Super Bowl last year. And this yeah. cat was was running around, jumping in a truck, running down a pier, flying in the water. You have a lot of Walters in your group, Kitty Cat Go. So let's just bring it down to the basics. What mm -hmm. the heck is an adventure cat? Yeah, so uh, an adventure cat is just one that likes to go outside on a harness and leash. I always encourage people to use a harness and leash for safety. Um, we don't want our kitties running off, getting lost, um, getting eaten by something so we keep them strapped in with that harness and leash we go um i mean yes we take hikes but <laughs> it can be just as simple as hanging out in the backyard um there are cats adventure cats of all varieties there are some that like backyard hangs the hiking the camping and there are some that just so like they have stroll down the sidewalk. how do you say that preferences reference preferences <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, I, I yeah. kind of dig that, but all of them kind of tap into all their senses, right? Yeah, absolutely. So cats, I mean, as you know, Arden, they, they have a lot of needs mentally and physically and taking them outside on their harness and leash helps them meet some of those needs. It lets them get out some of that energy. It lets them experience the sights and the smells and the sounds of the outside world that they wouldn't otherwise get to do. So... Did you just have a dream one day and say, I think in addition to my full-time job, being married, having a cool pets at home, I think I'm just going to create Kitty Cat Go. Can you give us the backstory? What, what started this for you? 
So I will credit my cat Sophie with Ooh. the inspiration. Yeah, because pause Sophie, up, Sophie. Yeah, pause up, Sophie. She um she has a neurological disorder, and so she's wobbly. And so my husband, because we knew she couldn't run off or get away because of her disorder, we would take right. her out and play with her in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And she loved it. She thought it was the best thing. So I eventually got her a harness and leash and we started taking her more places. When we would go to the park, we'd take her with us. And she has just always had this unique calmness to her where she's not bothered by people. She she loves other people. She loves dogs. She loves everyone and so taking her all these other places just seemed natural to her and she took to it very naturally and loved it so much so as we added more kitties to our family (laughs) um I started harness and leash training them all and some of them like it more than others I have a couple that really love it a lot well I think one of them Kylo Kylo's Mm -hmm, Kylo he he or she he all right always always masculine sorry okay yeah He's a big time hiker. That's his favorite. He loves to hike and he loves to camp. He goes camping with us too. Well, for all you on YouTube uh, tuning in, I got to tell you, uh, my cat, pet safety cat, Casey, is in love with Emily and says, Emily, uh, Arden puts me on a harness and a leash and I do go in pet strollers and we haven't done a hike hike, but um, I love to be at airports. (laughs) He's been in 13 states by plane. So, I, I think it, awesome. it does. I think being outside, getting out of the house in a safe manner does a cat good, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a good form of mental and physical enrichment and stimulation for them. And I mean, even like you said, just taking them in a stroller to the pet store or somewhere like that is really enriching to them. So what is your day job that you pay your bills with? I am a music teacher. My husband oh. and I have a business um, that we own and run, and we teach private music lessons out of our home. So I was a glockenspielist. Any any Ooh. chance for a career in that? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I also am. I'm a percussionist. So that's oh, all right. Yeah. Yes, I was like the only chick in the percussion section in yeah. junior high and high school, and I can do a mean Avon lady on a glockenspiel. Ding dong. that's awesome (laughs) so you played the the drums and everything Mm -hmm. yeah wow wow i'm impressed i'm impressed (laughs) all right i i'm gonna say it more than often but people write it down what's your website kittycatgo.com that is awesome so how long have you had kitty cat go as a concept and now you've got a lot of followers but when did you launch this whole adventure cat program well, I officially launched Kitty Cat Go in March of 2020. So right as the world was uh, oh, no. falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then going out and traveling with your cat was, you know, a little bit more difficult to do. But I've been adventuring and traveling with my cats for about 10 years. Okay. Um, I just didn't decide to turn it into a business venture until 2020. Well, I'm just saying, Kitty, we got to keep six feet apart from all these two leggers approaching us, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So where where do you guys call home? What what's your city? We're in Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia. So are you close to a lot of cool places to hike? We do have some nice hiking areas in um in our vicinity. Um and we have some that are not too far of a drive. We have a really nice state park that's just a couple hours away or a little less than two hours and mm-hmm. we go 
camping and hiking there and it's really nice. So yeah, we're pretty lucky to have a lot of places nearby. So we're going to take a break in just a, uh, about a minute, but let's get the, the, your pet uh, lineup. What, what do you and your hubby have? We have quite a collection. Oh no. <laughs> we have seven cats. Wow. Two sugar gliders and one dog. And what's the dog's name? Django. Django? Okay, not like the 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 game where everything topples, Django. Django. No, Django, he's named after my one of my husband's favorite guitarists. And does Django get to go with your, Sophie and Kylo sometimes? He does. He is also a big time hiker and adventurer. So it's a good pairing. Um, any any concept idea of being able to create um, Sugar Glider Go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think so. They're a little too squirmy. I don't think I could get them on a harness. <laughs> hey, everyone. We're speaking with Emily Hall. She is the founder of Adventure Cat program. It's called Kitty Cat Go. The website is full of great tips, tricks, and ideas to keep the adventure safe and enriching. We're going to dive into that after we take this break. So you guys know the drill. Sit, purr. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Pets, they're incredible. And I'll bet you your pet is the most incredible. Yeah? So why not tell us about it? Or better yet, show us. Our email address is flllpetpals at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe your incredible pet will become the next four-legged life sensation. Remember, flllpetpals at gmail.com. Welcome back to uh, Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're chatting with Emily Hall. She created Kitty Cat Go. It's a great concept for people with cats that really don't want to just sit on a windowsill and groom and purr and sleep and eat. You're breaking that cycle. You're expanding that cycle, right, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some things. You had to get the message out, and we're in COVID. So mm -hmm. how did you go from an idea and have Sophie and Kylo hanging out with you and hikes and walks and other adventures? You have some big muse to share with everybody. You were doing this a live Facebook feed, right? Tell us what's happening now. Yeah. So um, I have my live show that I that streams on YouTube and Facebook once a month. And I have guest experts. Actually, you have been one of my guest experts. I had before. a blast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm now taking that show and launching a podcast. Which is, yeah. There, there's my musical contribution to you. <laughs> so the podcast will be called the Kitty Cat Go Adventure Podcast. And I'm really excited for that launch. Your episode is actually going to be one of the first episodes to be released. All right. That sounds Congratulations. Oh my God. This is terrible, Thank guys. You. I know. I'm so <laughs> on on your site. The one thing I really, really liked is that you have a lot of good information about what kind of gear, how to train a kitty, even uh some uh quality leashes and collars. Cause can we just kind of touch upon that? What kind of cat or kitten would you say 
would really dig being an adventure cat? What's the personality? Well, um, there are definitely some personality traits that are the most common to the cats that like to go out and do a lot. I would say ones that have a lot of energy, ones that are friendly and don't mind being handled, ones that are calm and confident, and so yeah. maybe not spooked and scared by loud noises and sudden movements, because when you're outside, you don't know what, you know, you can't predict what might happen or who or what might come up behind you or around you. Um, so you need a cat that's calm. Um, but that's not to say that cats can't be trained. Like even if yeah. your cat isn't naturally like that, you can work with them and, and get them trained to be comfortable with those things. You just have mm -hmm. to take it slowly. Um, and then also, you know, we mentioned it before, you don't necessarily have to take your cat hiking or to the pet store. You can take them out just in their backyard where maybe they're comfortable with that because they're not comfortable going out and doing the bigger things. And that's great, too. You know, what we've done when the weather isn't blazing hot here in Dallas is with our kitties, we've got one of those pop up enclosures, the mm -hmm. lightweight with the zipper. And yeah. um, on a nice, cool day, we put them in there with their little amenities and they can be in all different sides of this octangular shaped uh, pop-up tent. And they're, they're kind of getting close to a squirrel or a bird and they're feeling good. So yeah. what do you think of some, that's just like an easy thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of really great ways you can safely let your cat experience outdoors. Like in those enclosures, you mentioned catios. Yeah. Um, we, the harness well, we leash. actually built uh, um, on our house, we built a 15 by 30 a deck with a with a roof on it and half of it is enclosed and because we have dogs and cats we call it a patio nice i like it and we have a tv so <laughs> yes. so that's uh, yeah the catios are good the one thing maybe you can help us with is how do you pick a good collar and harness because i i know that the leash has to be on the harness you don't want mm -hmm. any problems with the neck but can you yeah. give us some tips on what would make a quality a harness or leash for a uh, for a, a kitty that wants to be out and about with you. Yeah, absolutely. I I really like the harnesses that have the straps that go both around your cat's neck and around their um, abdomen, and then yeah. that also have a piece that goes across their chest. Okay. Um, because those seem to be the most secure. There's no such thing as a 100% escape-proof cat harness. So don't gotcha. let don't yeah. let anyone fool you. I mean, yeah. obviously some are better than others, but it comes a lot down to the training, making sure that you've properly trained your cat and that you also know how to handle the leash. You know, because if you, depending on how you're positioned, the cats can back out of their harness if yes. you're like in front of them. So it's important. The harness is important. Because they have you, a flexible spine that we don't yes. have. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the human also plays a really big, important part in the safety and the, your cat staying in the harness. So you have to stay behind them. And as long as your harness um, is secure and properly fitted um, and that you are handling them correctly, then, you know, you shouldn't run into any trouble. So the other aspect is I've been seeing uh, kitty backpacks. Mm -hmm. Those sounds, I, I haven't put Casey in. He's a long, lean, purring machine. He knows how to walk on a leash with a harness and he rides in a pet stroller. But I'm just thinking, what a fun thing to have Casey pop his head out of a of a backpack. But how are they different because they're for kitties? Yeah, so a cat backpack, um, they're coming out with more and more, which is awesome. They 
you want you want to have a backpack that has good ventilation um so that you know they're not too hot they get plenty of of air circulation um so the best cat backpacks have a lot of that mesh stuff like around the sides and the tops that way one your cat can see out and two they have um proper ventilation Mm -hmm. um they have zippers so that way you can fully enclose them if you know if you need to or you can unzip the tops like you said they can pop their their head out out and and take a piece of toast (laughs) yeah yeah there's the other aspect is I have trained all my cats to come to a whistle and I've done that with every cat. So sometimes if a cat slips out a front door or something, uh, one cat I actually did to the Jeopardy uh, theme song, you know, nice. whistle. That's and, funny. and my cat at the time knew that I was the only idiot whistling that and would come to me. Is there something you can do because gosh forbid a kitty gets out. How do you not panic? And is there something that, maybe like a whistle that the cat would know or treats what, what's your, what's your tips? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of clicker training and recall training. So like, yeah, you can use a whistle. You can have some sort of distinctive call that your cat knows is you that you've trained them to, to come to you for. And um, I use clicker training to train that recall and treats, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. And so I definitely recommend recall training is an important part of the whole adventure cat training as a whole. And uh, how can people find out more about you, Emily Hall and kitty cat go What's some, what's some social media links? Well, you can find me on Instagram at kitty cat go adventures. And also your website is kitty cat go. Yeah. My website, kitty cat go.com. What with we just have a little bit of time left. What is one cool place you either took Kylo or a Sophie that just rocked your all your worlds? Ooh, um, Kylo, his biggest trip has been out to Kansas City to a conference. That that was a big one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Was he a speaker? (laughs) No, we were just attending. (laughs) It was it was a pet blogging conference. And what about for um, Sophie? Sophie has been to the beach. Oh, all right. right. (laughs) She likes the beach. Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, everyone. We've been chatting with Emily Hall. She is the creator of Kitty Cat Go. And uh, we're going to come back after this break and we're going to talk to Teody Anderson. And she's got some things to share about dog training tips. So everybody just sit and stay. We'll be right back. You need even more Arden Moore? We're online at fourleggedlife.com. Hey, welcome back. There, there, now settle down. This is Arden Moore's Four Legged Life. What's up, pet pals? We're back. You're on the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our second guest is pretty accomplished in the dog world. Uh, We're going to get into that more. Uh, She's got books. She's helping our dogs have good manners. She's a dog's best friend, which is the name of her company. So please join me in giving pause and applause to the amazing, no, make that possum, Teody Anderson. Welcome to the show, Teody. Thank you, Arden. I'm so glad to be here. It's a great new show, and we got a great guest that knows all things DOG. 
Uh, we want to get into a little bit about our adult dogs. And everybody, just to give a little background on Teodi, um, your company is called A Dog's Best Friend. What a great name. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you. Um, we are South Florida's oldest positive dog training company. My husband started the company in 1994 and I joined him when I moved down here and we got married. Yay. And um, yes, and so uh, we have been pioneering positive training in South Florida for quite some time. Um, you better name it your hubby. <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim Mullally, also a trainer. <laughs> Phew, marriage saved. <laughs> well, I see on Facebook and social media, you and Tim do like to work hard and play hard. And you've been to New York, right? See some. Players? Yes, we recently went to New York. We saw some shows. We ate some good food. We do work hard. We po probably on social media post more of the playing rather than the working. So people think that's all we do, but it's not true. We work, you know, like I have 26 calls this week, uh, just lessons in people's homes. And that doesn't include the board and train dogs that we sometimes have here and other things too. So we work pretty hard. Yes. So how did you get into the dog world? And, and everyone, she is the past president. Let me get this right. What's the the dog, the big dog organization. The Association of Professional Dog Trainers. It's the largest association of dog trainers in the world. Yes. And she was the president, APDT. I did yes. it right. So you're young, young Teodi. Where, where are you growing up? And did you pet a dog and it was magical? <laughs> and you're like, that is my journey. Pretty much. I've always loved dogs. And um, I was, I wasn't allowed to have a dog till I was 12. So it, it was a del delayed buildup there. Okay. Um, and the Papillon, I've had Papillons ever since, but, um, I wanted to do therapy dog therapy okay. work. My dogs, okay. I wanted to volunteer and the dogs I had at the time needed therapy. They couldn't give it to you. They were Shelties and they were very <laughs> timid. Yeah. So they were not candidates for going anywhere. I but I had Sheltie on a couch going, doc, have I had a day? <laughs> they were seriously, seriously. They had lots of complaints to management. Um, but I adopted a three-legged Labrador who ended up being my heart dog. And I trained him to be a therapy dog and found out I had a knack for it. And it kind of just snowballed from there. I started looking for better ways to train and more positive ways to train. So I found the Association of Professional Dog Trainers and met Dr. Ian Dunbar. Oh, and, he's Ian, Dr. Ian Dunbar, all y'all. He is a top dog. Yeah. He really is. He, he, uh, he has pioneered a lot of positive training in the country. And um, I just kind of snowballed from there. I started serving on committees and then I became president. I got my first book deal and it just kind of snowballed from a wonderful three-legged dog. And I still miss that dog every day. And who is that dog? What was your dog? It was name? Cody, my Cody. Cody. Which leg? Front left. Oh, okay. Front left. Okay. So he yes. couldn't be a soft paw. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. I'm a lefty. So that, that's what I'm saying. But it is amazing. Some dog in our past, our childhood or young adulthood, can really make an imprint, right? Yeah, he was the trajectory to where I am today, truly. Well, to you, Cody, to you, Cody. You have a, a few books with your name on it, and one of them I really wanted to talk about, I think your latest one, it's called Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. Can you tell us a little bit what that's all about? Sure. The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training is, is pretty much a soup to nuts on how to train your dog, everything from basic behaviors to more complex behaviors. Okay. Give me a easy and a hard. Easy would be um, a sit. Most yeah, everybody right now, I'm doing it. Sit. Right. You can't underestimate the sit. If a dog is sitting, he's not jumping on people. If he's sitting, he's not chasing the cat. So sit is a really powerful exercise, 
but I don't think people actually utilize it enough. And a hard one would be, um, well, if you take that same sit and have them sit when people come through the door, it becomes a much oh, harder. Yes, I'm so excited. I want right. to say, I want to say, you told me to sit, right? Exactly. So you can have one exercise that goes through different levels of difficulty, depending oh, on wow. you know what you need it for. I like it. I like it. You think like a dog. And when I ask you that, what does that mean? Dogs learn information differently than we do. Okay. So for example, when I talk to you, Arden, you smile and you nod and, and, and maybe you're taking some notes and, and you're going to carry that information wherever you go. But dogs don't really generalize like yes. that. So okay. if I tell my dog to sit in the living room, he's perfect. I go to in the middle of a group class and tell him to sit and he acts like he's never heard the word before. <laughs> and he's not being defiant. He's not trying to embarrass me in front of the class. It's just that there's so many distractions that it's hard for him to comply with that. Um, dogs are also visual learners. So they okay. learn hand signals faster than verbal signals. So if you understand how the dog's brain works and the science behind training, you can actually get better results faster. And what about their nose? How does that play a role in learning? Oh, that's a tremendous thing because they can smell so much better than we can. Um, sometimes they don't smell better than we can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not, not, uh, you need a bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you mean their power of their olfactory. Yes, Did the I say it right? Do I sound smart? Is yeah. Amazing. And they can smell so much better than we can. So they have much greater distractions. So when oh. you walk out in the neighborhood, you may notice cars going by, maybe a UPS truck or something comes by. Maybe you can hear your neighbors, but he can also smell the neighbors barbecuing five blocks away. He can also, Whoa. smell a pretty girl dog who walked by Ooh, a little earlier, you know, or see, you know, here smells the lizard that just, you know, peed wow. on a stump somewhere. So their olfactory system is amazing. So there's a lot more competition for your attention when you're working with your dog outside. Now, I understand we're going to uh, talk a little bit about adult dogs because you can teach an adult and a senior dog new things and not just tricks, but behaviors, right? So can you bust the myth that, oh, my dog's eight years old, forget it. It's funny because some people have a really big tolerance for problem behaviors. And so a dog's been biting somebody for five years. And I always ask, why did you call me today? You've been putting up with <laughs> five years. What was yes. that today? And it's usually because the dog bit the wrong person oh. or they suddenly got embarrassed. And, and they're asking me if it's too late. I'm like, it's never too late. Now you have five years of habit that we've got to undo, which okay. makes it harder. It is always better, especially with the problem behavior to start early. But an older dog, as opposed to a puppy, has a much better attention span. I can get a lot more reps out of an exercise with an older dog, whereas the puppy does, you know, a couple reps and then there's a butterfly and then they're gone. <laughs> you have to like, focus, focus. You know, the puppies are very easy. <laughs> right. Squirrel. So older dogs absolutely can be trained. You just have to understand that you've built up a certain history, whether it's you or the family that had him before. If it's a rescue, there's a history of habit there. And we all know habits are hard to break. Yeah. Hey, everyone. We're speaking with Teodi Anderson. She is the vice president of A Dog's Best Friend. It's based in South Florida. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about some things that we can do to bring the best out in our adult dogs. And remember, her book that we're talking about today is The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. So sit, stay. We'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back. Oh, come on. We weren't gone that long, were we? This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to Four-Legged Life. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and our guest today is Teodi Anderson. Teodi, I love that you can break habits just like we can in ourselves. And every case that you get, you get them in person, Zoom. I mean, how do people come to you with their dog issues? Most of the issues that I get now are in person here in South Florida, but I do consults all over the country uh, with rescue groups and other things. During the pandemic, I did a lot of Zoom. I didn't want to stop dog training and people got dogs. They didn't hesitate in the pandemic to get dogs. I need a Bud and a Budweiser, right? That was kind of the mantra during COVID. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so people needed help because people weren't coming to houses and helping them one-on-one. So people reach me and then every now and then, you know, people will write, read the books and then reach out to me because my contact information is in there. So they'll reach out to me with specific questions. Some things I can answer, some things I really have to meet the dog, but I really prefer to do it in person as much as possible so I can meet the dog and meet the person and get a case history and figure out exactly what's going on. So from the dog's perspective, they're getting out and about and some of us are going back to our offices and we have been sharing a couch with them for almost two years they know every Netflix they've been shown, then they don't grab your remote unless they want to chew it. But uh, what's happening to our dogs now that are quote unquote home while we return to the workforce? Is there any tips you can give us any, the do's and don'ts so they don't get uh, full of uh, separation anxiety or pining for us? We're seeing so much separation anxiety. It's, you know, for, some, for, for a while, nobody went anywhere and nobody came over to visit. Yeah. So these dogs are not socialized. So now people are starting to have family again, visiting and friends visiting. And the dogs are aggressive towards strangers because they've never been exposed to that. And also they're terribly upset that you're leaving that couch. They don't want you to leave the couch because you didn't do it for two years. Where are you going? Why can't I go? Two years is a long time in a dog's life, right? It is, especially when everybody got puppies. So this is all the world the puppy has ever known. Yeah. So I know my dog, Kona, the terrier, she hadn't seen anybody for a while. And my sister, Deb, walked in and she went bananas like that, (laughs) like falling over herself, not aggressive, just, oh, my gosh, there's my aunt. And so there's two sides. There could be the one that goes over joy and the other's like, hey, who are you? Right. Right. How do we deal with that? What? Because obviously. Uh, you're the expert. What do we do so that we kind of rein in their emotions and build their confidence? One of the things, and, and separation anxiety is a huge topic, but a couple quick tips are one, we have to teach them to self-soothe. You oh, have self what? Self- self-soothe. Okay. To soothe themselves because you've been their entertainment for two years. You and Netflix been their entertainment <laughs> for two years. And now you're not there. You're not going to play tug with them all day. You can't throw the ball with them all day. You can't go for a walk all day. They have to learn. And they've never been taught that. And that is something that has to be taught. So I like a lot of food stuffed toys. Okay. Get them occupied with something that's yummy. I feed most puppies all meals out of a food stuffed toy. I want them to learn to figure out those puzzles, work those brains. Okay. Uh, And you you can do that for adult dogs too. Absolutely. Environmental enrichment. The other thing that's helpful especially for a dog that's not full-blown separation anxiety, more like a separation distress. They're starting to get worried. They're not like destroying the door to get away out 
mm-hmm. not, not, not terrible where they're hurting themselves because dogs will do that too. Yeah. Is identify every step you take to walk out that door. You almost made me want to sing. Every step you take, <laughs> dog's going, every move you make, I'll be watching you. If that helps, then you go sing. <laughs> so, yes. Every step. So, so you had like, what do you do to walk out the door? If you were to walk out the door, Arden, right now, would you pick up your phone? Would you grab a purse? Would you grab a water? What, yes. what do you do? Yeah, do those you are cues, right? Right. And then you do it 10 times a day, but don't go anywhere. Oh, so you, get up, you grab your phone, you get your water, you get your keys, you walk to the door, you turn around, you put everything back and pretend nothing ever happened and go back to watching Netflix. And the dog's you, going, what? Right. Because your dog isn't just upset when you walk out the door. Your dog's anxiety is starting at those precursor cues for you leaving. Oh, I have okay. found a lot of success, especially with minor cases, with with that and some environmental enrichment alone is that the dog realizes, oh, well, you know, he picked up his backpack 50 times now. He's not really going anywhere. I shouldn't have to get so upset about this. I like that. I like that. It's sort of uh, just making it so that it isn't one thing. I mean, I used to say, do you want to go out? And, uh, and now I have to spell it. I spelled it O-U-T. And then I have to spell it T-U-O now. They can learn sounds. <laughs> yes. Like, because you're on the couch and it's, it's uh, you know, you, you say something about a show. Oh, my gosh. They knocked it out of the ballpark. And, and my dogs on the couch are going, OK, let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, no. So you're saying they le- I mean, they know words. Come on. They're smart. They but they read us, right? They do. They read us that they're very good. They're visual learners and they know when you don't feel well. They know when you've had a bad day. They know they're very good at watching us much better than we are at them. I mean, for someone like me who does that for a living, I watch very carefully and I can see that the dog is getting stressed and I can see when they're getting upset. But if you haven't studied that, it's really easy to overlook that that anxiety is starting so much earlier. And once I start pointing it out, people realize that, you know, the dog starts licking his lips and the dog starts yawning and the dog starts shaking like he's wet, but he's not wet. And he does do all those signs. And those are all stress signs that your dog is building. Okay. I like that. You are training the two-legger. Always. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you do that diplomatically? That's a challenge. (laughs) Do it diplomatically. It's it's really fun when people realize sometimes it's the first lesson. Sometimes it's the 10th that, you know, you're training me. Yes. But it's, uh, it's, that's fine, right? Well, it's a team, yeah. right? You have to be a team. The dog has to learn, but the person has to learn. So in your training, um, do your dogs ever help you show an example? And do you want to give a little shout out to the current pack you have now? Sure. They're not. Because they're listening. Come on. They're listening. They are. I have wonderful 11 and a half year old. I can't believe that already. A Belgian Tavirin named Sawyer. Mm-hmm. He's devastatingly handsome. Oh, have, <laughs> he's a very handsome man. I have a eight-year-old Yorkie. That was our, our merged marriage. My husband came with the Yorkie and I came with the Belgian. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Just like Lady and the Tramp, only 2000, uh, 2.0. <laughs> right. And she rules the house. She is four pounds and she is feisty and she rules this house. What is her name? Oh, Rosie. Rosie. Okay. Four She's pounds. Three. Four pounds of just feistiness. She's hysterical. Liz, well, uh, this is South Florida in case you can't tell from behind me and, and right. lizards live in fear of Rosie. 
<laughs> I, all right, I'm, I got you. Rosie's the boss. Well, that's good because uh, they're two different breeds. And we, when we're talking about the dogs, there are some breed tendencies. But can you tell us why we shouldn't just think all Belgian uh, uh, teas, I call them, Belgian teas are this way and all Yorkies are this way? What What's a common uh-oh that we do when we have a dog that is either a purebred or has mostly one breed? I think that people sometimes use breed as an excuse. Oh. So Belgian Tavirans are generally a little reserved with people. Mine's a flirt. He's an absolute flirt. So he's so there are always exceptions to the breed. But if you have, for example, I used to have Shetland sheepdogs and they can be very reserved and shy. If you have a Shetland sheepdog that is barking and lunging at people because it's terrified, People will go to that breed description and go, well, you know, they're shy. I'm like, no, he's got he's got some fear issues. Yeah. It's not an excuse like, oh, bulldogs are stubborn. Well, you just have to train them. I train bulldogs all the time to do all sorts of things. You know, people use it as an excuse. And I think that that's a disservice to the dog. Oh, I agree. If people need to want to find out about you, and we're speaking with Teodi Anderson. She is the author of many books, including The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. How do we do it? You can find me at todanderson.com. You can also find me at a dogsbestfriend.com. All right. Any parting message you want to give to our folks? Just never forget that you can teach an old dog new tricks. You just have to have a little bit more patience with them. Hopefully they have patience with us as well. I agree. Hey, everybody. That's it for our show today. I want to thank all you pet pals for tuning in all across the country and beyond. And a very uh, special shout out to our stations, Coast to Coast, and uh, pause and applause to our special guest, Teodi Anderson. So until next time, this is your host, Arden Moore, saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up! Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch full-length video versions of our guest interviews, our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. And have a pawsome week.